I think one of the most important unfair advantages that we can have isn't about us per se. It's actually about what kind of unfair advantage can we provide to our clients? You're listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. I'm Steve Gordon. For the first five years, this podcast was known as the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. The episode you're about to hear uses that name, but don't worry, you're in the right place. Same great content, new name. Enjoy. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and we've got an amazing interview for you today. Uh, This one is one I have been looking forward to for a long time because it is um, with the author of what I think is one of the best new business books that you're going to find. In fact, I think this one's going to be a classic. It is How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed. And today I am talking with Stu Heineck. He's the best-selling business author, marketer, and a Wall Street Journal cartoonist. Uh, His first book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, was named one of the top 64 sales books of all time. His latest, as I mentioned, How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed, lays out a complete model for explosive business growth, which is what we all want. And the book is based all around the strategies and the attributes and the the tools that weeds use to grow and expand and multiply and dominate their turf. Uh, And so it's just, I think, an incredible way to to look at business. I'm excited to dive into it and uh, really excited that Stu Heineck is here with me. Stu, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO. I'm so glad to be here with you. Thanks. Thanks so much, Steve. Really appreciate it. So um, before we dive into the book, and, and the book is fantastic, um, before we dive into the book, give everybody just a, a little bit of background beyond the bio of how you got to this stage of your career and, and, and how you found weeds uh, as, as a source of inspiration for business. Well, I, I have a crazy background because I was at the very beginning of my career, I was mentored by a, several of the really a lot of the, uh, the the greatest cartoonists in the world from Playboy and The New Yorker. <laughs> that was like where I started my career. Um, and I, yeah, I've had a, a, an interesting time because I've, I've, I've used cartoons in marketing um, against the advice of, of David Ogilvy and others who used to say that humor doesn't work in advertising and people don't buy from clowns. But in fact, I mean, I knew that cartoons were the best read and remembered parts of magazines and newspapers. And so um, it turned out that that was the correct impression and that they worked really, really well. And so I ended up creating direct mail campaigns for a lot of the big magazine publishers and then a lot of just a lot of direct marketers using personalized cartoons. And um, and, and that was what a, what a blast that was. Now, that sort of there, there are a couple of ways that that, that branches out. So one of them is um, I have another book out that came out in 2016 called How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. And that book started because when I was reaching out to the publishers, um, I had gotten a couple of test campaigns ahead of time. I got one with Rolling Stone, the other one with Bon Appetit. And both of these test campaigns went out, they were mailed against their control group, their, if that makes sense. But um, And we ended up beating, beating the controls, which is really an unusual and rare event. So it was like a rookie walking onto the baseball field in the major leagues and hitting two grand slam home runs. And I thought, okay, this is my chance to, to reach, to reach out to the rest of the publishing industry. And what it meant was I needed to connect with about, let's say two dozen VPs and directors of circulation or consumer marketing at you know, the big ones like time Inc and Condé Nast and the wall street journal Forbes, et cetera. 
And I needed a way to get through to them. And I knew it was not going to be terribly easy. But I thought, okay, I got to, okay, so I'm going to put a little campaign together. I put together this little eight by 10 print of a cartoon about each, about, about each recipient and um, sent that with a note saying, this is the device I just used to beat the controls for Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit. And, you know, I think we should talk. I think we should, um, we should test this for your titles. And if I'm in front of an audience telling that story, I'm usually asking them, so what do you think I got as a response rate? But um, we don't have that luxury today, but, but I got through to all of them. It was a hundred percent response rate to wow. that campaign. And not only that, they, they all agreed to meet, they all became clients. So it was a hundred percent response rate, hundred percent meeting rate, hundred percent conversion <laughs> <laughs> from a little campaign that I spent a hundred bucks on. And, 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 and I got really excited that I'm like, wow, who else can I reach with, with these, with these cartoon uh, contact pieces. And so I, I, you know, started reaching out to presidents and I actually, I was reaching presidents and prime ministers and, um, celebrities and lots and lots of C-level folks and, and just top decision makers. And then I got really curious, well, what's everyone else doing? And then I realized, well, there's this whole shadow form of marketing out there. Didn't No one had a name for it. So I called it contact marketing and, and how to get a meeting with anyone. And um, And people have come up with the most incredibly audacious and clever ways to get meetings with the, probably the kind of people that are in your audience, actually. But really some some very, very clever, smart things that they've been doing. And that that's what informed that book. And and the Weeds book, I think, is even more fun because, well, I was driving down the Santa Monica Freeway a long time ago, and and it was back when traffic moved really fast. It was, it was really a long time ago. And it's six lanes of traffic going one way, six lanes of traffic coming the other way in a 40-foot wide median or so. It's a lot of concrete and rushing tires, no place for a plant to take root. Yet growing from a crack in the concrete median was a dandelion I spotted. And, you know, I, I went by it really fast. And this is something we see all the time, dandelions growing out of cracks in concrete. But that one really struck me because I thought, well, it just looked happy running its process. You know, those happy yellow flowers and and the seed the seed pods that are blowing, that are blowing seeds around. And, and it's it just kind of bouncing around in the smoggy turbulence. It looked happy. It didn't look like it was thinking to itself, well, this sucks. I, I really saw myself as living at the beach, let's say, <laughs> you know. But instead, it was, it was just running its process. And I just thought, that's just so impressive. And I hope that I can live up to that example throughout my career and whatever businesses I, I create. And that just got me interested in, well, what is it that they're doing? Or, or how is it that they, how is it that weeds act the way weeds do? Is, are this a, is it a specific species, perhaps? And that's not really the case. But Or, or do they all have a model that they that they all follow. And in fact, they do. And if they do have that model, can we apply it to our businesses? And what I've discovered is not only can we apply it to our businesses, but we really, we can, we can apply it to anything that we need to have grow. So um, it could be applied within a department, for example, just for their efforts or um, my book. Yeah, I'm using weed strategy to promote my book and to, to cause it to grow. And so it's not just um, having a publicist out there pushing you know, pushing me as a guest for, for for interviews, but but it's I'm I'm forming alliances and and I'm doing things that weeds do, and and it's causing the book to do some really really interesting things. Yeah, I mean that that's really the thing that struck me about the observations that you put in the book is that, I mean the the weeds give a kind of a 
cool and maybe cute context for it. But really what you're talking about is a hardcore growth strategy. Yeah. Oh yeah. The way they approach this, they're serious about growing and persisting and dominating whatever space they're in. And I, I will tell you that, you know, I live in, in Florida, so things don't go brown very often, but but we are far enough north that the lawn goes dormant and, uh, you know, for a few months in the winter and you can immediately spot where the weeds are. And those they're suckers are green, aggressive. Right? Yeah, they're still green. They're going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're 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 just amazing. And I think, I, you know, it's interesting when I when I first when the book first launched, it launched in June. So the first interviews, um, the interviewers would ask, so, Stu, are we talking about the kind of weed that you smoke? No, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. And and, um, you know, oh, you mean the weeds that you mean that like the, the those things in my lawn, those things that I hate? Yes. Those things that you can't control. And by the way, why can't you control them? What are they doing? What are they up to? Have you noticed any of this? <laughs> you know, and, and then we go to a place where it's where it's a useful conversation. And and thank you, by the way, in your introduction, because this is going to sound crazy. And I, I, I don't know that every author comes on your show and tells you this, but I actually think that it's going to become the top business growth title in the in on the market. Not right away. And not because of the launch, not because of anything my publicists are doing, but because the weeds, well, we all know what it means to grow like a weed. And and if you look at what they're doing, they're awesome. I mean, they are so effective and and there's just plenty to learn from them. And I think that's the reason. And and they keep coming out every year. So it's kind of like Christmas music. So, you know, every year, every spring, there's a reminder of the book, perhaps. So well, I'll, um, I'll yeah. tell you what struck me about about the observations in the book and as they relate to weeds and how you've transferred them to businesses is that you've got a small number of principles that they operate by. And that really simplifies. I mean, if you apply those to business and you boil down every one of those processes into one thing that you do in that area of your business, then you end up with about, you know, eight things to do in your business instead of 8,000. And Mm -hmm. I think, too often we're trying to do the 8,000 things when we really just need to do eight really, really well and a lot. And that's what the weeds are doing. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing that I think, um, the, I think one of the wonderful things that weeds give us is that if you read the press, let's say if you read, I don't know if I should name names, but there are certain magazines, big business magazines that will tell you, they'll have, you know, titles for their articles, like three things you have to do, or the one thing that, that, that Elon Musk just did this genius and you got to do it and that'll grow your business. I mean, that's a long headline, but you know, right. it's, or, or the one thing that Warren Buffett did that can change everything in your business. And, and you read through it and what you end up with is just this random, this random list of probably 8,000 things. That's probably where it comes from. But, you know, it doesn't really give you a model to to place these into or a framework to place these into so that you can act on them. And it, it, you just can't act on a, on an endless, I don't know, meandering list of things you should do to, to grow. So the weeds give us a very, very finite, very well-defined framework to grow our, our businesses through. So... As you're talking with business owners about how to apply what's in the book, and I, I kind of want to address that first. What what's the approach to apply this? Um, I'd love to hear your take. I kind of have my takeaway from from reading it, wondering how how close I am to to the author's intent. But how, how do you how would you advise a business owner to go about taking these? And we'll get into what they are in a minute. But to apply them, what's the strategy? Well, first of all, there's weeds. There's weed strategy. So that's the the overarching um, 
concept here. And so weed strategy is based on on the thing that all weeds do to to grow and expand and dominate their turf and so on. And that is that they all leverage a fierce mindset. We have to come back to that mindset because how could they have a mindset? <laughs> but they do. You can it's apparent. You can see it. So they leverage a fierce mindset and unfair advantages against collective scale. And they do it according to a process that is well, in their case, it's really well honed. It's millions of years old, but it's also a living process. It's not the kind of process I think that we think of in business. It's a living process. It's always ready to evolve, always ready to, to meet new challenges. They're very, very effective at all of that. So that's the weeds, that's the weeds model. And then we can we can look at, I just described four elements then. So mindset and unfair advantages and and scale or collective scale. Um and, and then process. And all four of those areas yield all kinds of really interesting pathways to growth. And in fact, I, I often am asked, well, what's the one thing we can do to grow our business? Well, it's not one, one thing. Um, and, and why would you want to, if you have four growth multipliers, why would you want to ignore any of them? Actually, right. the more, if you use all four, then, then you, you, you're going to grow quicker and more, I guess, just more powerfully. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And, and you know, as I kind of went through and, and looked at, at sort of the eight strategies in the model, I thought, wow, if I could if I could pick out one thing to do in each of those areas and just focus on the one thing in each of those areas, you know, to your point, that's eight multipliers. Mm-hmm. That's eight things now that and that's all I've got to focus on. Um, and it really simplifies things. So do you want to maybe quickly just run us through the the strategies? I I know in, in the limited time we have, it's going to be hard to get through all of this, but I'd like to just give people a little sense, a quick sense of what is in there. And then I'd love to talk a little bit about scale because you talk in, you talk about leverage and scale towards the end of the book and you talk about one-to-one leverage. And, and I know a lot of people listening are, are dealing with that. So I think in terms of a roadmap, I'd love to do that. So can you give us just that quick overview and then let's let's talk about leverage and scale a bit. Yeah, well, so I mentioned, you know, mindset and unfair advantages against collective scale and then and then running a process. So so the, that as, that whole aspect of of developing and, and curating unfair advantages comes so falls under the weeds. Um, it's an acronym for weed inspired enterprise expansion and nomination strategies. So that weeds model, which starts with seed strategy and then goes, moves to, to seed pod strategy and thorn strategy and segmentation all the way through root and soil strategies. And those are, those are set up to help us gain those, those unfair advantages. And it's interesting because when I'm talking to live audience, when I'm talking, let's say on a round table or something like that, and I ask some of the people on the, the, the Zoom call, well, what are your unfair advantages? What do you do for a business? And what are your unfair advantages? They have a really tough time answering. They'll say things like, well, okay, yeah, well, I'm really passionate about what I do. No, everyone can be passionate about what, what they do. It's not an unfair advantage. It's There's no, as as Warren Buffett likes to call it, there's no moat around that at all. So what are the advantages that you can cultivate that give you an actual only I want by unfair advantage? I mean, that's the reaction we want among our competitors when they hear what what it is. The reaction is that I mean, sorry, the, the, the advantage you have. We want them saying, well, that's unfair right? because they can't compete against it. That's really what we're what we're talking about are our hard, hard um, advantages that people can't others can't compete against. Um, so. 
seeds, uh, seed pods, and and so forth. They define these levels of of strategy and, and sort of cultivation of of those unfair advantages. So, in seed strategy, for example, those seeds are analogous in the model to anything that causes people to become aware of you and form the intent to to transact with you in some way. They might want to join your list. They might want to. They might want to. Um, become your client. They might want to follow you, whatever, whatever it is that they want to do. They might want to collaborate with you. They might want to open their, their sales channel to you. They might want to partner with you. They might want to be mentored or mentor you or whatever it is. Um, they, that's how people become aware of you. And it's, you know, you can, you can just think of dandelion seeds. They float around and they probe every possible opportunity to take root. And that's what we want our seeds to do. We want uh, all of these things, that, like alliances and uh, and uh, brands and and names, uh, I should say brand names and media exposure and story. I mean, people have compelling stories and, the, and that get repeated and repeated. And those are the kinds of things that we want to cultivate. I, I would say also that in under seed strategy, you find things like marketing. I mean, that's marketing and public publicity are are two critical uh, seed strategies that you have to have in operation or or nothing's going to happen but um, but gaining let's say a lot of media exposure is is a huge that becomes a huge unfair advantage it's hard for your competitors to match that does that make sense at all absolutely absolutely yeah. you know and I, I, the this idea of unfair advantage for i know for a lot of business owners it's hard to come up with these things and yeah you know, it is I think the mistake is trying to, you know, go in a conference room somewhere and, you know, you sit, sit around with the team and you've got a whiteboard and pizza and coffee, you know, <laughs> or something else. And you're trying to come up with it. And I don't think that's where you come up with it. I think you do little experiments. And I think that's what the seeds reveal is that they do all of these experiments and they see which ones work. Yes. And the, the ones that work persist you know, because they're getting feedback from the environment. In our case, in business, we're getting feedback from the marketplace based on what we do. I think that's how you discover those those advantages. Yeah, yeah, the, and and um, I think you might be alluding to the, to the water hemp example in the book, um, hmm. which was one of the most extreme weeds that I've come across. Um, it's it's showing up in farmland across North America, and, and so we you know, dandelions put out. 15,000 seeds on average per plant. And, and that's over a five to 10 year lifespan. They're perennials. So, and we know what if, if we see a, if your lawn is filled with dandelions, you're not going to get rid of them. So 15,000 seeds per plant, it's a big multiplier, but water hemp puts out uh, up to 4.8 million seeds per plant and it's an wow. annual. So this, this population dies off every year. There's a new population every year. So part of so a big part of their process and their evolution is invested in their seeds. And they do exactly what you just described. If every plant is producing 4.8 million seeds, there are a lot of useful mutations in those seeds that caused has caused a crazy thing to happen because water hemp showed up. The farmers have used herbicides, including Roundup, uh, or they, you know, glyphosate, the, the active ingredient Roundup. And that plant developed immunity to Roundup and 70% of all the other herbicides within four years through that process. So they're very adaptive and 
I mean, you just if you, you have to look at them and say, yeah, I want my business to act. I want them to be I want it to be just like that in the, in our field, exactly like that. I want it to be such a tough competitor that you just can't get rid of us. And and um, so I, I just love that. But when we think about unfair advantages, would it be helpful if I gave you some of mine? That perhaps? would be great. Yeah, that'd okay. be great. Okay, well, so just a couple real quick. I mean, one is I'm, I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists. So I get when my cartoons are published, then they I get to reach 2.1 million readers. That's a nice unfair. I'm, people are going to have a hard time matching that if that if that's important competitively. And um, and also when I'm calling around, if I'm if I'm trying to meet someone, if I'm trying to connect with someone, all I have to do is send them one of my cartoons and um, and, you know, I'll, I can call up their assistant and say, hi, I'm Stu Heineck. I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists. And I'm sending a print of a cartoon by one of my cartoons, actually. And it's about your boss. Uh, usually they're saying, what, really? So it helps me get through it. It's, it's just sort of a passport through. And then also we we have a, a new um, a new alliance brewing with the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center. Their executive director wrote the foreword to my book. And I mentioned in the book that I'm going to be starting the Total Weed Award, and uh, we're partnering with the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center to present that every that's they're going to be the home of the Total Weed Award. And so that's great. I mean, there's sort of a renewal of of excitement and, and buzz about the book, because that's where the that's where the Total Weed Award is coming from. And and we're going to have media partners involved in this. So. I imagine that it's it's going to get much much expanded coverage because of that. And those are just total those are just those are totally unfair advantages if someone's trying to compete with me in, in what I'm doing. Well, I, I want to just pause there for a second and break that down a little bit because a lot of people are going to listen and go, "Well, I'm never going to be a, a cartoonist for the Wall Street Journal. I can't even draw." <laughs> and they're they've already clearly got plenty of cartoonists. And then they might think, "Well, how can I ever do this then?" And really what you've described there is you've created some very unique relationships that are challenging to get, right? So you created a relationship with the Wall Street Journal based on a talent that you have and a skill that you've developed, okay? Mm -hmm. But lots of people have talents and skills that are valuable. And yeah. it's, the, it's the combination of the, the skill and the relationship. It's not the skill by itself because there are lots of cartoonists that aren't Wall Street Journal cartoonists, right? Yeah, it's yeah, the combination say, that's valuable. I, I think these unfair advantages, they take all kinds of forms. So sure. just happened to, those, those are the forms that they happen to take in my case. But I, I would say that, you know, yeah, if you have a special skill, that's great. Um, if you have connections, if, you, if you've if you worked somewhere before, if you were a former consultant with McKinsey, then you probably ought to be dealing, you probably ought to be leveraging that. Uh, whatever these things might be, uh, they can take a lot of different uh, forms. But I think one of the most important unfair advantages that we can have isn't about us, per se. It's actually about what kind of unfair advantage can we can we provide to our clients and so, you know, when I started my business all those many years ago, and I came out with these direct mail campaigns that used personalized cartoons, and we were drawing on on what we were already seeing, what they were already seeing with their their editorial readership surveys, that cartoons were almost always the best read and remembered parts. So, of course, we should use them. And and so every time I created a campaign for them, I knew that my assignment was to create a new unfair, even back then, even though I wasn't a weed strategist or a chief weed officer then. But but I knew back then my assignment wasn't just to create a campaign. It was to create a new unfair advantage. And if I had 
come up with if I if I'd created a campaign that in tests ended up beating their control and also cost less to mail, then I created a new unfair advantage for them. And I think that is probably one of the most important unfair advantages we can have is the ability to do that for our clients. Absolutely. I love that. And thank you for putting that fine point on it. I want to talk a little bit about leverage. In the book, you you talk about one-to-one leverage, and then you talk about there are other types of leverage that we actually want to go to. But if we're honest, the vast majority of entrepreneurs are stuck in one-to-one leverage. You know, something like 96% of all businesses are under a million dollars a year in revenue. So mm-hmm. they've not figured out how to get out of that. And um, and I know we were talking about this when we we met a, a couple of weeks ago, and and both lamenting that we neither of us were further out of it than we are. Talk a little bit about the idea of one to one leverage, and then how the weeds kind of look at at leverage. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the first thing is we're taught to operate at one to one leverage. I mean, when we played, let's say, musical chairs. And the first time you did it, and then uh, the music stopped, you discovered, well, huh, okay, then I need to be proactive. I need to be watching each chair as I go by. And when that music stops, I'm grabbing the one that I'm watching. But you, you become proactive and you just, that's our introduction probably to, to com- competition and being self-sufficient. And then we're told, study hard, get good grades, you'll get a great job, but you can't scale that. You can't have a thousand jobs. Right. So if we think about entrepreneurs, we're probably some of the most self-sufficient people there are on the planet. I mean, we're the ones that say, you know what, there's a need for this or I, I, you know, I've got a vision for a product or a service or a platform. And I know it, it just, I know it makes sense and we make them happen. So we're probably most challenged with, with um, being stuck in one-to-one leverage. And it's really just, you know, are you, are you, first of all, are you part of the, the de- deliverable stream of your business. If you are, you're holding it back. You're a bottleneck to your business. Um, and I, I, you know, as I was writing the book, I have a great little business. It's, I mean, I, I have an agency and we help um, sales teams break through, but that's, we create campaigns to do that. And I, I don't, I think I could probably better describe myself as, as the creative director of the company, as opposed to the CEO or or the chief weed officer, perhaps I don't know, maybe not anymore. But what I'm always doing is, I'm, first of all, I'm always involved in the creative. So when a new assignment comes in, I'm creating it. That's not good. Well, I mean, it's good, and it's not. I mean, it's not good if you if I'm going to try to scale something, and and then a lot of our campaigns. Well, I want to create something that people haven't seen before or is astonishing in some way. And so a lot of times what I'm really doing is prototyping something or I'm using something from one industry or some, you know, some other area in a different way. When we send big boards around, I guess we're on camera so I can show you a big board, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so, um, so here's a big board. So this is the contact device I use myself and that I use to help sales teams break through. And so there's a cartoon, there's there's a caption, the caption is personalized. This one shows two women having coffee and one of them is saying to the other, well, actually, you know, I sent one of these to Mark Cuban, so I'll put his name in it. So when I sent his, she was saying, Mark Cuban says you can tell a lot about a person just by looking at their Mavs tickets. I tend to agree. <laughs> and of course, Mark loved it. And so, so that's framed and it's up on his wall. Uh, and so on the back is, Branding and messaging from the sender to the recipient, explaining who they are, why why they want to meet, and and next steps, and and so um, so that that's that that's what I use to break through, and and that's 
of course, one of my unfair advantages showing up again. I'm, I'm one of those cartoon. I'm a cartoonist. I get to send this thing out. If I'm sending it um, and I sign it, it's an unfair advantage because people realize, well, holy, wow, this is the cartoonist who just sent this to me. I mean, this isn't just this didn't just show up as a campaign. Yeah. So I don't know. Does, does any of that make sense? Because I got a little I think I've. I think I, I got well, a little bit lost I, on the question. No, too. I, I think that's actually a, a good illustration. I think a lot of us, particularly in in oh, professional yeah. service yeah. businesses, we start the business because we know how to do the thing that we're we're doing for clients. Yeah, yeah. And it's sometimes very hard to try and translate the secret sauce. I mean, like in your case, the secret sauce is you've got to make the cartoon or you've got to customize what it says, and you've got a particular talent for that. So. Yeah. How do you bottle that now and get other people to do it so that you're no longer the bottleneck? Well, I was, yeah, so I'm sorry. I lost my, my the bead a little bit because really what I was trying to say was I'm involved in the deliverable process completely and, and that's not good and I can't scale that. So one of the steps that I need to take is to say, well, okay, right. Then um, how do I take this? And by the way, I don't create new cartoons every time I send one. So I have an image bank of about, I don't know, 15 or 1600 cartoons that have personalization in them. And so we can draw upon, no pun intended, but we can draw upon that, that, that bank to to produce these campaigns but but really if i want to grow it what i what i know what i should do is i should i should talk to some of the some of the big platforms let's say sendoso or or reachdesk some postal io and so on and create productize what what i'm doing so instead of me coming up with a new thing every time it's a product here's here's the one that you use if you want to get someone to call you back here's the one that you want to use if you want to ask for a meeting and you just choose from a menu and they go out and they go out and in, in great bulk. And I don't, I'm not involved in the middle. I don't have to touch it at all. And that's the way you scale. You have to, you have to rethink it. You, you have to rethink it so that you take yourself out of the equation um, and at least put more people in so that they're, they're running. I mean, if look, here's, here's kind of the, the acid test. If you go on vacation or if you get sick and that means your business stops, you're working at one-to-one -one leverage and you can see how, just how perilous it is. So if that's sort of the danger zone, how do the weeds do it differently? Well, they just, for example, if you noticed a dandelion in your lawn and you thought that might be the only one, look up and you'll see that they never do anything without without scale. They never do anything that's at one-to-one -one leverage for sure. But if there was only one dandelion showing up in your lawn, it would be nothing to get rid of it. We wouldn't even think of it as a pest. It's just, oh, I don't know what that was, take it out. But they don't work that way. They work together and they collaborate. And I think that's the that's probably the key word is that they collaborate. And I, th you know, so after writing the book, I, I thought, hey, I need to grow. I want to grow my business differently now. I want to I want to run this differently. And so so one of the first things that I, I realized that I've got plenty of unfair advantages, but of course, you can always make more that the the the. My relationship with NASDAQ is an unfair advantage. It's a cultivated one. But but then the next thing you need to do is you need to um, you need to broaden it. And so um, I'm now very, very actively reaching out to, for example, all of the thought leaders in sales that I know because I've interviewed them for my books and so on to say, why don't we partner up on on this on, on big boards? Why don't we you know, we could I can help your your. Your sales, I, mean, I should say your clients, sales teams break through and we can make money together. So I'm putting that out there and we're starting to, that's starting to happen. And, and so it's, it's those alliances that I think 
just make so much sense. Another one we're we're starting to put together small masterminds, weekend, I should say really mastermind um, growth summits. And um and we're going to be partnering with with uh, the thought leaders that that I know to do a joint venture on those things. So, so we split revenue, but we were able then to work together and bring, you know, a handful of people paying a pretty nice sum per seat. And, um, and we get to help them just put their, put their business growth on a rocket ship and everybody wins that way. And, and, and it, it happens because, I mean, it wouldn't have happened without the, or it would have happened much more slowly without those, these collaborations. Absolutely. And there are so many leverage points. And, and, you know, as you were describing all that, I'm sitting here thinking about the math of the dandelion. One plant, and you said 15,000 seeds yeah. over its lifetime. That's exponential growth. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's it's the definition of exponential. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and, but then you, and then you, but then you multiply that again, because they're not ap- acting alone. They never do anything alone. And when you look up and you see perhaps hundreds of dandelions in your lawn, uh, they're all pumping out 15,000 seeds. So that's huge, huge geometric progression. And it's, well, that's why we can't get rid of them. Well, you know, so interesting. I, so I had an experience like that about uh, eight years ago, I wrote my first book. And I think anytime anyone writes a book, it's an unfair advantage. Um, In most markets that will set you apart. And I had 15 people help me share the book during the launch. I didn't know what I was doing. Self-published, made all the mistakes you could make. (laughs) But those 15 people got that book out to five, over uh, 5,000 potential clients a week. That is truly weed-like spread, isn't it? Right. So then the question is, how do you keep doing it? You know, like once you've discovered that now, how do you replicate? And um, and so the, to me, the thing that I got from the book was just a different lens through which to think about the business, through which to think about what am I going to do this month, this quarter, this year to create more weed-like growth? You're right. It's an unfair advantage. I think another one that's that's just really critical is just our backstories. Because if you've got a great story to tell, as you were saying, I'm, by the way, I'd love to know how you, how you multiplied 15 into 5,000. That's, that's remarkable. Um, for book sales, that's, that's remarkable. And then, and then how do you then get those 5,000 to do the same thing? I don't know. Cause I don't know what you did, but, but, um, but I would think that story has a lot to do with it because that's the thing that causes people to just say, I mean, this is just, it's, I heard a story today and it like, I got to share this with you. It's an amazing story. And, and that's how you get a lot of people to do it at scale. I guess that's kind of redundant, but yeah, to create scale for you that way. What did you do? How did how did you get fifteen thousand to turn into five thousand? Well, so it, some of it was luck, and so I had built relationships with people all over the world uh, through a podcast back in twenty twelve. So two years before the book, mm-hmm. and I'd interviewed fifty people over the course of a year. Fifteen of them agreed to help with the launch. I'd maintained a good enough relationship that they were willing to help. And a few of them had large audiences and a lot of them didn't, but it was those few that really pushed that. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, if you think back about how how do you replicate, that's one of the reasons I have a podcast because I found that it's the easiest way to meet with people, build a relationship with people who are also looking to build relationships and to build an audience 
you know, so I'm, I'm already talking to the right people. So that increases my odds of, of sort of hitting the winner again. And then having something easy to share. That was the other thing I found that for me is as I was reading the, the chapter on seed strategy, I said, well, my book is my seed. You know, I've got five books now and you've got books, you know, they work like seeds. The wind will take them. You don't know where they're going to go. They're easy mm-hmm. to spread mm-hmm. and you don't know when they're going to germinate, but many of them do. And, uh, and so anyway, that, that, that's sort of, uh, the way that I thought about it as I was reading your book and that's how I've applied some of those strategies. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, your, your podcast is also a seed strategy and, mm-hmm. and the fact that I'm on with you is a seed pod strategy. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, we're, we're, we're having a great conversation and, and hopefully there's, there's a lot of value exchanged, but I'm reaching your audience that way. And so yes. you know, um, that is what we do. I mean, that's what seed pods, sorry, that's what weeds do. Yeah. It, it, so I, I can't recommend the book enough. I think um, anybody listening to this needs to get a copy of the book. If you're watching on YouTube, there it is. How to grow your business like a weed. I really do think that it is going to be that business class, that classic that um, that we're all talking about 10 or 20 years from now. And it's it's on the, the reading <laughs> list. Um, there's new thinking here. And, and that's what I like about it. Um, and, and you don't often see that in, in business books. So congratulations. It's, yeah, thank um, you so, so much. That's well, and it's the, and the, the key, this is really important because a lot of times you'll get a, a book like this out and it'll be a, a regurgitation of things that have come before, but a, a, com- a complication of them mm-hmm. you simplified. And, um, and I think that's why it makes it so helpful. So where's the best place for people to go to, to find the book and then find out more about you, connect with you, connect with the work that you're doing. Well, I mean, so how to grow your business like a weed, find it um, anywhere books are sold really, except the airport, I guess. <laughs> I don't think it's there, but, but um, you know, so Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Books a Million, et cetera, they're, it's there anywhere, you, anywhere you buy books, you'll find it. But you can, so in terms of reaching me or connecting with me, uh, I would invite you to visit my author site. So that's, uh, stuheinick.com. I'll spell it S-T-U-H-E-I-N-E-C-K-E.com. Um, and you can sign up for my list and you, you can also, uh, by doing that, you get the first two chapters of how to grow your business like a weed, uh, for free. So that's, that's kind of a nice thing. Or connect with me on LinkedIn, mention that, that you heard me on, on Steve's podcast. Uh, and I would love to, love to connect with you that way as well. That's fantastic. And we'll link the, uh, the website up in the show notes. So if you're listening to this on your mobile device, look in the show notes uh, with the episode, or you can go to our website um, and uh, look for this episode and find the link there so that you don't have to write it down. If you're driving, we want you to be safe. Stu Heineck, this has been awesome. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and for investing some time with me today. It's been a pleasure to, to get to know you and talk about these things. I look forward to the next conversation. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. Number one, get a copy of the Million Dollar Book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator, and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash accelerator. And number three, 
Work with me and my team to get your book done and bring in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put, I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.